Welcome back to the One of These Years Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined again by Nick Baumgartner, back after a couple-week hiatus for paternity leave there. How's yeah, the back. How's the family doing? How's everyone feeling? Good, good. We're tired, of course, as you know, Chris, <laughs> how this goes. Yeah. But otherwise, other than that, all good. All, everything's been great. Appreciate all the good messages from everyone. Listen to last week's show with you and Ty. That went well. Uh, the show went well. The game, maybe not. But yeah. uh, everything's, right. everything's going well so far. Nice. Well, congratulations again, yeah, and uh, thanks to Ty one more time for hopping on with us. Um, you can subscribe to the show at uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Pods, a uh, bunch of other spots. So, uh, as always, rate us, review us, subscribe, let us know what you think. Um, hop on Twitter if you got questions. We certainly can answer some questions on here if anyone yeah. ever wants to fire those off. Um, Absolutely. I'm at Chris Burke NFL. Uh, Nick is at Nick Baumgartner. Um, so, you, uh, as I said, you had a a couple week, uh, mm-hmm. not vacation, certainly <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks away from yeah. uh, football here. And I, I, you've got a little bit of a, a fresher eyes on the, the Saints game. You know, I watched that kind of right after it happened. I know you were just, you were going to go back through it again a little yeah. more recently than that. Um, so, well, I guess we'll just start there. You have any, any takeaways that you've been saving now for a week yeah. uh, that you need to get off your chest? No, I mean, like, not really. I mean, it's kind of the same. It, it feels a lot like it did after the Green Bay game when you when you sort of go through it and you say, okay, well, you know, offensively they can absolutely play better, probably should play better, and I would probably even argue I would expect them to play better. I, I, I do think, and I, I wrote something today about some things that, you know, if you're looking, if you're straining to look for hope, it's, it's difficult, but there are some areas where maybe – you know, maybe they have enough tools in the toolbox to fix themselves. And I think that there are a number of examples on the offensive side. And I think we saw that in that game, you know, where little mistakes, maybe even how they're calling the game at times is obviously an issue. But defensively, it goes back to the same the same thing where you're just like, you know, you watch, you know, the Saints run, you know, inside outside zone and get so much push and get so much movement at the point of attack to where defensive tackles are being thrown into linebackers and the cutback lane is like seven yards wide. And Alvin Kamara is an amazing football player, but like there were some of those cutback lanes that like, you know, your dog could crawl through. I mean, it was like (laughs) ridiculous. So when you're watching that and you're sitting here saying to yourself like, okay, well, is there anybody, you know, is there anybody on that sideline that can come into the game and help? And the answer in terms of the run game, it doesn't seem like that's a yes. I mean, like that's uh, John Penasini maybe was was one thing. You know, you go back and you watch. I mean, I think he had some solid reps, but also there were some times wasn't so solid. But at least there were a few times where, you know, it looked like he wasn't just getting picked up and deposited somewhere else. It was just another example where I thought, you know, the Packers were a good football team and made the Lions look terrible and embarrassed them. The, The Saints are a, you know... Uh, a kind of okay, kind of good team, I guess, and kind of embarrassed them as well. So it's like it just felt very similar, and, and it, it sort of left me feeling the same way as you know. I don't know if they have enough in the bag to fix the problems that they're going to have to fix defensively, and that's the huge challenge here. And I, I just you, you rack your brain, and I don't I, have you come up with anything in the last week and a half because it's difficult. It's difficult to find an answer for what fixes the issues that they have here. Yeah. Um... I'm writing for later in the week. I'm going to write something on Julian Alcora, so I don't want to give away too much of what I'm going to talk yeah. about. But uh, one of the, I guess, part of the thesis of that is that they, are, 
Matt Patricia keeps talking about, you know, like all this is all complimentary football. That's his big phrase that he likes right. to throw out there, complimentary football. And, and sort of the explanation for why there hasn't been a pass rush is because they can't get into any good pass rushing situations. Right. And I think one of the big problems is it, it, you're talking about playing John Penasini, and I was kind of going back through, like, I think they looked better against the run. Some of it's because of the Saints play calling, but I think they looked better against the run when Reggie Ragland was out there. Like that yep. seemed more yeah. cohesive. But the problem is that, they have gotten caught in these as a, as a coaching staff. They've gotten caught in these spots where, like, if Penasini's going to be out there, you know the Lions are gearing up to play the run, right. and it's the same thing with Jared Davis. Like, you put right. Jared Davis out there, that's a run defense, and you're going to yeah. be able to throw all over him. And then they come out and early in those games, and you know they're worried about, uh, you know, you're worried about the Saints throwing the ball to the perimeter. You're worried about a quarterback getting out and scrambling, and so you're playing this whatever they're in two these three two six dime looks or they're in uh you yeah. know they're in these very obvious passing setups and then you can't do anything up front and they haven't been able to figure out how to get into the middle there where there's like an answer for no matter what you're seeing offensively and I think that that kind of goes back to what we talk about pretty much every week on here which is that the opposition more or less is dictating terms yeah. Uh, to the Lions, and so that's really the thing for me. I do think Penasini's helped. I think Raglan's helped, but you know, are those guys that they're going to have on the field? And also, you know, if Penasini's out there, are we just throwing in the, like is Deshaun Hand not doing anything? Yeah, for you? is Jelani Tavai not doing anything right. for you? And, and it's like, and I can't stress enough here, as we've seen through however many weeks, the la- you, opposing teams could not respect the Lions defensive front less if they tried. <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. really the takeaway. Every time they line up and like you said, Chris, there's a lot of those, even you know, when they're a nickel, a lot of times it's the three three five, they go to the two, three, six dime stuff where they'll keep, you know, or they'll put Christian Jones up there or something, or Jamie Collins up there with two defensive linemen. But whatever the combination is, um Anytime we see a scenario where they're asking, you know, the inside linebacker to basically two gap the center where it's like you're responsible for, which is kind of difficult, right? That's a difficult thing to do. You're they're seeding four yards. Like just they're just giving it up. I mean, I there's so many times where where you'll watch this it, when they, when they align up this way and they do it all the time where you've got, you know, Danny Shelton maybe in you know, the, the B gap and you've got uh, whoever else is in there with him on the opposite B gap. And then Jamie Collins or Christian Jones, or in some cases, Davis uh, in the middle, it's, it's a five yard gain at default. Cause there's, even if those blocks at the point of attacker are, are handled. Okay. You're still asking the middle linebacker to do something that they don't have a guy on the team that can do that. Like that's, that's again, we go back to this and it's the, the, the front has been bad. The linebackers have been inconsistent. Like Christian Jones in the middle, just, I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't work. It doesn't seem like it's working. Jamie Collins was very good against Arizona, but then was not great at all against uh, the Saints. And I, I don't, I don't know if he's totally comfortable with exactly what they're asking him to do because they don't have an inside linebacker. I mean, they just don't because Davis is like, we, like we just said, I mean, he's not really playable, uh, especially against a team that can throw the ball at all or a team that has an athletic running back that can get out and cause matchup problems. So you're kind of stuck piecing this together. And then I just go back and rack my brain about when we sat there in January and February and are like, look, okay, here's all the things that they need to address in the off season, free agency, the draft. And then when it was all over, you're like, well, they addressed like half of them kind of, <laughs> you're like, well, there's still a lot of problems here. I don't know how this is going to work. And we're right in that exact same situation. So 
you tell yourself all these things about how, you know, best case scenario, what that would be. But in the back of your mind in the offseason going into this, you're like, well, but, you know, here's the guys that they have on the roster. And I just don't see any combination where it's going to be good. You know, maybe it can be passable, but it's certainly not going to be good. And at worst, it's going to be terrible. And that's where it sits right now, defensively. Yeah. And, um, you know, I the Christian Jones, the, I kind of tried to ask this of Corey Unland when we had availability with him on Monday. It's just yeah. what is your – do you have any comfort level with this linebacking group right now? Because it feels like they're trying to figure it out, not even game to game. It feels like drive to drive. They're yeah. like, let's just see if this combination works. And like I said, I think the Ragland-Jamie uh, Collins combo worked in the fourth quarter against the Saints, but I don't know. You know, some of that is just – the Saints, I think, were like, well, we're up by 21. Let's exactly. let's shut yeah. it down a little bit. But you know, Ragland at least is uh, gives you something against the run, and he's he's been pretty effective as a pass rusher when they've used him, which is sort of what I thought Jared Davis was going to be this year. And now, you know, he's been almost completely phased out of the game plan. Mm-hmm. They're playing to buy mostly on the edge. Christian Jones, like you said, yeah, I, you know, that was one of the developments of camp when we got in there and watched him is that he looked like he was going to be the new canard for them and play that kind of hybrid jack linebacker role and now he's not really doing that at all um he's playing like you said he's playing inside and they don't have a whole lot of answers and i will say like the that those those schemed up calls that you're talking about where you have the linebackers attacking the a gaps and sort of Mm -hmm. spread the defensive line that's not new. That's not no, something that's that no. just started done doing. It forever. Yeah. That's a and staple of this defense. And it's been <laughs> and it's horrible. And it's been bad forever. Like right? Like it's yeah, exactly. Sorry to cut right. you off. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it was the same. Last year, like I there's I think it was the Chicago game is the one that really stands out to me. They did it a bunch. Like yeah. I think it was Davis Tavai were in those spots over the A gap. And the Bears were just like, fine. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> right. well, and they just ran it up the middle for six, seven yards every time. And so uh, and that kind of, you know, that's, that's something we've been talking about too. They just like the adjustments don't seem to be happening. It's more just that they believe that this is going to work eventually once they get the, you know, quote unquote techniques and fundamentals right. down. And there's been really no evidence that that's ever going to happen. But I also like there is, I mean, the technique and fundamentals thing is all true. That's all correct. Like there's instances in, in that game and every game this season where, you know, there's one that popped into my mind when I was watching yesterday. I think it's in the second quarter, uh, in the middle of that 35-0 run that the Saints went on where it was just a nightmare. But there was one stretch where it was like, I feel like they had three or four runs in a row where the Lions were just a complete mess. They couldn't fit anything, and it was a disaster. And then it was one of the Penasini reps where he gets in the game, and I think he might have been in there with either Shelton or Hand. And you know they held up well. They stood their ground. Everybody fit their gap. Everybody was exactly where they needed to be. And then Tavai missed a tackle, and Kamara got 10 yards anyway. So, like, it's... <laughs> That's kind of where, so you say, okay, well, the technique and fundamentals thing is totally a, that's a thing that's, that needs to improve. But at the same time, when I sit there and I watch and I say, is Danny Shelton, John Penasini, Deshaun Hand in a rotation, are those guys talented enough, capable enough to make plays and get any kind of knockback or even create a stalemate on like 50% of the time? And the answer, as we've seen through four games, does not look like it's a yes. And that is the most concerning thing for me as I watch this because I just we just talked about linebackers. I mean, it's not perfect, but there are options. They can they can do something else, right? And and in the back end, if some guys get healthier, might not be great, but there are other options. I don't see any other options up front. I don't know what else they I don't know what else they can do. And that's 
the thing where you look at it all and you say, man, I just don't know how this fixes itself, especially the run defense, because there is nothing else coming off the bench. It's not like Aaron Donald's coming off injured reserve here or something like that. There's nobody (laughs) else. Yeah. And that's the thing where I'm like, we talked about this after the Packers game or even maybe after the Arizona game, but it just, they just, it feels really light defensively in, in the worst way possible. And it's, they're going to have to find a way to get around that. And I, I just, I still feel like that means the offense is going to have to be super creative and just attack and be really, really good. And, and I do think that that's possible on some level, but I just don't know how the defense with this roster looks much different than what we've seen. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that was going to be my next question. Like, is there any way forward here defensively? Cause I do think, I, I think that was always going to be the issue. Yeah. Like you said, like that, I think Trey Flowers, they they need more production from Trey Flowers. I actually think Trey Flowers has been playing a little better than maybe it seems because yeah. everything's falling apart inside. And I think he's doing an all right, right job on the edge. And same with Rome. I mean, Romeo Alcor has given him some pass rush. I think he's been all right. Um, but, you know, they, they certainly need more from Trey Flowers for what they're paying him. But it, up the middle always looked like it was going to be the problem. Before the season, we kind of talked about like if Danny Shelton is great, kind of the ceiling for this run defense is what it was when Damon Harrison first got mm-hmm. to Detroit two years ago. That was the ceiling. Like they were really good then. Harrison played just super disruptive role for the second half of that year, and the linebackers filled in pretty well behind him, and it all kind yeah. of clicked. And then he didn't play well last year. It all fell apart. Shelton's been okay. He certainly hasn't been up to 2018 Damon Harrison level, right. I don't think. In, in my eyes and so you're kind of stuck because like you said there isn't a lot you know there's not another guy that's coming in so how are they just going to give up six yards of carry for the next 12 weeks <laughs> i mean they've got to figure out like unland talked yesterday about um you know figuring out when and where to get the best 11 and the best in certain personnel groups and they you know they continue to talk about how multiple they are and I understand why you know teams want to be multiple, and I and it's important to do to have a lot. It's important in the NFL to have a lot in your bag, and it's important to be able to do a lot of different stuff and to counter what the offenses can do. You have to have you you can't reach into your bag and come up empty when you need a call or you need a certain package. And Patricia will be the first one to tell you that, and he's right. It's true in a vacuum, but at the same time, when you are so limited, and they are limited, I, I just I, I in some ways I feel like is it. Would it be better if they pared down some of these looks and maybe tried to focus in on a couple things that they do well and see what happens in, in these run situations? Because otherwise, no, you're just going to be giving up. You're going to be giving up yards until you get to the 15, uh, and then you're going to hope that your quarterback gets you know skittish and makes a you know makes a mistake and you settle for a field goal. I, I don't know how else. You're supposed to, you know, what else you think is going to happen here defensively with with the current situation that they have? There's just that the front, especially, even you could even shift it to okay, we're going to play four down linemen all the time. Well, okay, great, but who are those four going to be, and is it going to be any better? I, you know, I don't know. And we're going to put them over the center. Is that going to be any better? I don't know. So uh, the answers in the run game, it's really really difficult. Um, you know, they have to be more opportunistic. I think. You know, we've seen we've talked about this when ball when the ball hits the ground, they've got to get it. Um, you know, if there's a 50-50 ball in the air, they've got to get it. Uh, they can't afford, they have no margin for error. They have less than zero. I mean, it's like, that's kind of where they're at. And, um, 
you know, I think the technique stuff, when they talk about a lot of that, I mean, obviously, if some guys can get healthy, that can improve. If they, like you said, if they play, if they settle in with Raglan and Collins and let those guys kind of do their thing a little bit longer for longer stretches and get them more comfortable, maybe that'll help. Um, and I do think Jamie Collins, he played well enough in that Arizona game for me to believe that there he can have a good year here, but it needs to be more consistent. I just... I think that there's a chance for them to be better than what we've seen, but what we've seen is just atrocious, and I don't know how much better, you know, and that's the next question, right, is, you know, what over these next handful of weeks, Chris, would we, would we deem as, like, progress for this team? I mean, they're playing, they're going into a stretch where they're playing bad teams, obviously, and people are, you know, obviously tired of all this, but what, is there anything that we can gauge as, what would, what would progress look like, you know, for sitting here at Thanksgiving, what would, what would progress look like to, to a point where maybe you know maybe this decision for Mark the, or for the forwards gets a little difficult. I don't know. Like, what would that look like? Yeah, I is mean, there an just, answer? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like quickly the on the multiple thing. Like, I think on paper they're multiple, but I don't know that yeah. they function as a multiple <laughs> defense. Like, they don't. They're not great. Yeah. In, like, I don't know that. Like, I guess they have the personnel to kind of shift back and forth, and especially with guys like Collins and and Walker and Flowers, who you can use in any spot, but. I don't know. I they, they, I think you're right. I think it all, you're almost at a spot where you just need to say, all right, here's the one or two things we're really good at. Let's just tee off on those situations. And yeah. if something else happens, we'll live with it. But they can't get into any of those favorable situations, which is kind of what they've been right. bemoaning over the last two weeks. You know, they can't get to the pass rush because they're in third and one every time. <laughs> and that's Well, I mean, that's also like a – I mean, that's all true, but that's also like a very convenient – uh, workaround of saying like you know it's their pass rush isn't good anyway. I mean, if, I mean we saw that last year, so like that's a that's a very convenient way to frame things, and I've heard that before, obviously over the years. Like, well, the pass rush wasn't effective because we were in second and four and third and three all the time. Okay, well you're terrible on first down, so you got to. I don't know. I mean that's that to me is a convenient way of looking at it. You can create pass rush from different avenues if they want to, and they don't ever show a motivation to do that. So I you know I don't know what the answer is there either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of improvement, you kind of start where you would have always started, which is just you need to see the young guys get better. I mean, I think Jeff Okuda plays better, and mm-hmm. uh, I think Tracy Walker's been, you know, pretty good in most spots. He hasn't been great, but I think that that's, that's really where you start is you try to see some of the improvement there. But if we're talking about as a total total unit, I mean, I think if this thing's going to be competitive and certainly the schedule lines up for them to have an opportunity to get hot here and maybe make this thing a little interesting heading into November December uh it you know it, it's sort of just repeating their talking points but the run de- they've got to figure out some way to yeah. establish a run defense because you're to say you're always in third and short and so you can't pass rush yeah I mean as you were just saying that right. that's not really true because I think that also sort of implies that teams are just always running on first and second down, which isn't the case. You know, you have pass rush chances on first and second down too. Um, But they have to be – they're not even really consistently competitive against the run. And that is a huge problem because it makes it – it makes it very difficult for them to get into those spots where they can kind of control the tempo, which they so badly want to do. And it makes it almost impossible. I mean, they – they came back, I guess, to some extent against the Saints, but it makes it really hard to come back when you're behind yeah. because you can't stop the run. So, um, and I don't know. I mean, it, do you think that there? Uh, there's sort of two sides of this question for me. Do you think that there is a possibility that we see a Reggie Ragland, 
uh, Jamie Collins fix here where that looks better than what they've had? And then B, if that is the answer, what does that say about their uh, personnel evaluation? <laughs> yes. It, it's sort of the yeah. same situation as at running back where you're bringing right. in Adrian Peterson and you've got all these guys you've drafted and, and brought along in your system that you're not going to play. Yeah, it's the it's the old, you know, it's for the for those of you out there who watch it's always sunny. Uh, it's the Charlie problems. Uh, it's the Bob Quinn has created <laughs> these problems for them that, you know, they, no one else created some of this. No one told them they had to draft Jelani Tavai and Jared Davis. And then a couple of years later, it's like, can we play? We can't play Jared Davis. And it's getting to a point where what do we do with Tavai? So now we have to put, you know, obviously Collins is a, is a guy they targeted and want to sign, but Raglan wasn't exactly a guy that had a hot market. It wasn't like they you know, fended off people to sign him. So like, Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's a fix. It's probably their best bet. I mean, you know, they played their best football this year against Arizona when their best, I thought their three of their best, maybe four or five players that day were Collins, Harmon, and Shelton, right up the middle. They all played well in that game and they played well as a defense. And obviously Arizona's not, you know, Green Bay, but you know, they hung in there and did their job. And all of those guys are guys that were brought here, you know, recent last year to fix problems uh, that were sort of created because the organization misjudged talent when they drafted. I mean, it's just been, it's one thing after another with this sort of thing. And that's, that's kind of the case, but it, that's the great point. It's like, you know, yes, it feels like Jamie Collins, Reggie Ragland, and whoever else you want to put out there with them, I, I suppose, are, but obvi- those two have to be on the field, which means that Tavai isn't going to play as much. And it means Davis is probably not going to play at all. So, to, so a first round pick in Davis is like not playing at all. And a second round pick in Tavai is playing, but isn't playing well, and you really don't really know what to do with him. And these are young players. Like this is bad. That's bad. That's like that, that's not good. That's not good at all. That's not a good scenario or a good situation. And it's the same on the other side of the ball. I don't understand. Obviously, I think we can talk all day about you know maybe it's time to get Swift more touches and things of this nature, and that's true. But at this point, Carryon Johnson has become a third down pass protector, and he was a guy they traded up for not that long ago. And it's like these are examples that we see across the board here where they make these picks or they make these signings later on years gone by. Well, we think he's really going to help us. Well, what about the guy that you just spent all that draft capital on? He's not helping you at all. Well, you know, and so you just go round and round with this sort of thing. And that's why, especially defensively, you know, when we sit here and I, th- I don't think that this is breaking news to anybody, but when, when we're judging Matt Patricia and how things have gone over the last three years, Bob Quinn has got to be in lockstep with him at the front of that blame line, taking every bit of his 50-50 share. And in some cases, defensively, I might argue maybe even more. I don't know who makes final call on what, on every single position or whatever, but the defensive roster, it's it's not good enough. And I don't understand how you look at all this in January, February, March, April, and, and tell yourself that it was going to be good enough. It's difficult to see that right now. Maybe we'll be proven wrong, but I don't know if that's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to see that we're going to be proven wrong on that because I just don't know where where this is coming from, where where the answers, you know, so to speak, are coming from. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I don't. I, I mean, I don't think there is any illusion that this was going to be a top ten defense. No, I think they were yeah. to even going back to what you said a little bit ago. Like, I think they the didn't goal have to is to yeah. just be the bend don't break. You know, right. take advantage of your opportunities, make a team. Really earn it from the twenty to the twenty, and then try and lock down and hold them to a field goal. And that, if that's how you're going to live, then then fine. Right. Um, but and that can work too. I mean, that's not impossible. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I also think you know the reason that there's no one 
on the bench to help fix this is because those guys that you're bringing in, those are the fixes. Those are the guys yeah. who are supposed to right. repair this and they're not. And, and then, yeah, so you start doing the, the, the talent acquisition stuff and they traded up for Deshaun hand who he has shown some flashes, mm. but you know, he's not a guy that I, I don't think you're yeah, building around Deshaun hand at this point. And they drafted Julian O'Quara and he's played like 25 snaps <laughs> in four games. They're, they won't put him on the field. So, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you've got all these issues where you, you keep bringing in people that are supposed to help improve this and make it better, and then either you're not playing them or when you are playing them, they look completely out of place. So it then you end up having to sign guys who are at least familiar with the operation, and, and so it just kind of goes round and round. Um, I, but, uh, I mean, I guess I'll spin it back to you. Do you think there what, – what is this – the next three, four games here, what mm-hmm. sort of indications are you looking for that there there actually is progress being made defensively? Yeah, I think that the, it would start with, you know, the basic, basic stuff, like we just sort of, we sort of touched on. And that can get boring when you hear that from coaches, but that's real. Like tackling, like there's no reason why they, they have to be a bad tackling team. I mean, <laughs> there, there is a tackle better, and I think some of that's improved. I think some guys have, you know, trended upward in some of those areas, but be more consistent with that. Um, and then just be better in, in these opportunistic scenarios. Like you can, you can live the way that they want to live if you make plays when it's time to make them. Like that's that's the theory behind all of this. You know, they don't have to be dominant on first down every single series, and you know, force teams into third and long every single series. It's not realistic in the NFL. But when it gets when you get to a third and five or six, somebody for the love of God has to make a play. And, you know, that's kind of the thing where you go back to Patricia and say, okay, somebody has to make a play, but also, you know, you're the one who has this reputation of, you know, you have all these calls in the bag that you can reach for and grab and say, you know, I can give them something here that they're not expecting, or I can give them a look that, you know, they're not anticipating. And we seem to rarely see that. So those are the things that I would, I would sort of look for is, you know, are they going to be more disciplined in some? Because a lot of the stuff they give up, Chris, we watch this every week. A lot of the stuff they give up, it, it's because of a missed tackle. It's because a guy is in the wrong spot. It's because a guy makes the wrong drop or whatever. Like that's There's no reason at this point for any of that stuff to continue. And that is the stuff that drives everyone nuts. No one expects this to be a dominant lights-out defense. No one expects this defense to control every game or you know, just, just wreck teams. That's not anyone's expectation. But what the expectation is, is for them, well, can you at least be fundamentally sound enough to give yourself a chance? And I think that that's, give yourself a chance to get three or four stops in a game to where your offense doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that that's part of the problem here with Matthew Stafford right now. And we've talked about this a bunch too, but I think part of the problem is, is that Matthew Stafford knows that he's got the entire stadium on his shoulder every time he walks out there. And like, if he makes one mistake, it feels like the game's over. Like that's what it feels like when you're watching them offensively. They're so tight that if your defense can just give, just find a way to give you like two or three extra stops that you've been getting, even if it's by accident or by a good call or by something, hang on and figure out a way to at least limit some of the damage and maybe give yourself a chance. To me, that's progress. It's it's giving yourself more of a chance because there's so many times where we've watched these drives and these stretches where it's really bad, where it's like you're not even giving yourself a chance. You're just completely lost everybody's panicked, everybody's running around, you've got different personnel in here again, On a, you know, the, everything's shifting and changing, maybe settle in on an 11 more, let them go play, let some guys work through their mistakes a little bit, and, and see what happens. I think that's the only way 
that you can kind of approach this. The tinkering and the and the changing stuff up. I mean, I think you got to pick a lane here now and sort of go with it and, and hope it's enough. And you know, maybe you know, maybe it'll get you into a situation where you're feeling better about yourself and the offense can kind of pick it up. But you know, that's how it's got to be. That's got to be the formula for him right now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say one more thing that I think would be a clear sign of improvement to, for me because we talk about this bend-don't-break philosophy and sort of getting tighter down near the goal line. Opposing offenses are scoring touchdowns on 75% of their trips into the red zone right yeah. now. It's one of the worst numbers. that They're like 28th or 29th in the league. So you, if your whole idea is going to be to take away big plays, which other than – what the Aaron Jones touchdown run and like yeah. the Saints maybe had one or two. They they've mostly taken away the huge huge plays yeah. for the other offenses. But if that's the way, if that's what your strategy is going to be, you can't give up a touchdown every time you get into the red zone. And that that's they're doing that right now too. So I think if you're going to play that way, it's got to be really really good from the twenty yard line and in. And they you know teams are just beating them. Most of the time, it's just a one-on-one routes to somebody <laughs> to the corner yeah. of the end zone. Oh, yeah. A lot of the time, so uh, that that's a would be a clear sign of progress. If you make that, I mean, if you get that into the 60 percent range, it's a totally different setup for the entire game. Yeah, I, and I think that goes back again to some of it, and we've talked about this: is you know, stop shuffling so much. Like let let Tracy Walker and and they have been doing some of this now. Let Walker just be in the game as a safety every snap, right? Like, why is he coming off the field? If you're, you know, pick your three best linebackers, leave them in the game. Stop shuffling. Stop changing things in those scenarios. When it gets into, you know, a red zone situation, like you said, uh, yeah, you have to have better calls and you have to make sure that your best 11 are on the field. And I think they've been caught a few times uh, in the red zone where they don't have their best 11 out there for what the situation is and it's burned them. So, you know, that's a big part of it too, I think. And I think that that's something that everybody had to go through this season, and uh, especially teams that were sort of in transition, like the Lions were uh, defensively, changed a lot, a lot of bodies changed, you know, coaches changed, everything else. And we talked about this, and it was, we probably told ourselves in August to make sure to remind ourselves of this as hard as it would be, but there was going to be a lot of feeling out without games. And, you know, that's happened, and they've had a bye. So now that has to be done. Now we have to see, okay, these are the 11 you're riding with, and here, here's your key backups, and I know some guys are hurt. But it can't just be this, like, rotation roulette of, like, well, you know, Will Harris bounced off Aaron Jones and gave up an 80-yard touchdown, but for some reason he's back out there the next drive, and then he's not the next drive, and then he is again. And it's like, okay, enough. <laughs> yeah, like, right. let's, let's, you know, pick a lane. You know what you have. It's not elite, but, you know, is there enough in there? If you can pick the right packages and the right personnel to stick in those packages and sort of pare it down, you know, maybe there's enough in there, like you said, to maybe get into a scenario where you're not dominating teams, but at least if you get into the red zone. And, and I think we can even call this a stop in that situation would be a field goal. Like, I mean, for what, they, what they're at right now, I mean, I'm not talking about punts. I'm talking about you get down to the 25, the 15, and if you can hold them to a field goal, that's a stop. Uh, the offense has enough in its bag to where if they're playing well, they can get that back for you. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it just can't be a scenario. Like the Saints got into the red zone a couple times, you know, there two weeks ago, and it was run on first down, run on second down, run on third down, touchdown. You know, it was like that's just right. how it went, yeah. and that has to stop. So the the other side of the ball, I mean, you mentioned Stafford. The offensive, you know, quote-unquote fixes feel more attainable, and yeah. maybe that's just the talent level on that side of the ball, but it feels like the offense is not that far away from being where it needs to be and it obviously mm-hmm. hasn't worked you know that there have been stretches in, in these losses where it's really been pretty bad the play calling's been bad the execution's been terrible and Stafford's not playing particularly well so it all sort of falls apart um 
but we've also seen that it can get humming pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, you're not going to play like that all the time, but uh, certainly it can be more consistent than it has been. So uh, where where's that? Where are the one or two things that they can they can make that uh, just more of a force where they yeah. are able to win some of these games? If they have to win 38-35, they can go win 38-35. I wrote about this a little bit today, and I think that it's possible – you know, we've talked so much about you know teams really working hard to take away the shots, um, to take away the stuff that Stafford does so well, and and I think that that has, you know, it's frustrated him. It seems uh, during games they talked a lot yesterday. Sean Ryan and Daryl Bevel talked about Stafford's footwork uh, and how sometimes that's gotten a little erratic and it's caused some, you know, uncharacter uncharacteristic throws. And I I mean I've heard you know we've all heard the footwork stuff over the years, and I think a lot of that comes from. You know, when a guy's pressing or frustrated, a guy that knows better and just for, for whatever reason loses fundamentals and a throw gets off. Like that throw to Hawkinson, you know, off the back foot, fading away. I mean, he's just pressing and trying to make something happen. I think that teams are trying to take away all that stuff over the top. And the only thing the Lions are countering with to bring those defenders back up is, you know, inside zone to Adrian Peterson. I, I feel like if you can get Agnew and Swift more involved in the game and maybe even Marvin Hall... Uh, give yourself a chance with some of your athletic sort of space creators that can create space for themselves underneath, then, you know, maybe that can help open up stuff for Galladay and even Marvin Jones over the top. And if that means that you have to take reps away from, you know, Amendola, Jesse James, um, Kabinda, whatever, you know, then so be it. But like, to me, they had some really good, and they've had good stuff, I think, in every game for the most part. But like you said, it's just been inconsistent with the with the feel and the calls and the execution, but there's more there. I feel like from a from an athletic standpoint, in terms of their underneath game, that isn't really being exploited. So much of the so much of the time we've seen Stafford lock in on Amendola on some of these critical, you know, underneath throws, and he's taken away, and then the whole thing just is gone because nobody's getting open or nobody's. Well, how does that look if if Agnew's in there, you know, maybe working one on one against somebody, or Hall's in there and able to work one on one? These guys can do this stuff. We saw this a little bit in camp that there's flashes of it. We know we've seen Swift do it a few times in games. I think if you could find a way to get those three guys more involved in the regular offense and not just in gadget mode, but in you know more involved in the regular offense to give yourself opportunities to get a guy one on one underneath, get him the ball in space, and let him make a play, you might surprise yourself. And I think that that's why offensively you look at this whole thing and you say yes I think I think their their toolbox is bigger and they have more answers when they can reach in there and say okay well we have you know we got a problem here we probably have an answer for that on the roster right now that we can put in this game and make this happen I think for Bevel right now you know as much as anything else it's it's probably you know still a process for him and maybe that's something where now it's okay the process needs to be done where you're he was still maybe trying to figure out who he trusted in what spot who he didn't trust in what spot but as they go forward here, there's too many athletes uh, that aren't getting enough time, it seems like to me. And, and that's a difficult thing because they do have a lot of talented talented weapons. But I, I feel like finding ways to create more space underneath uh, could really, really help this thing a lot. Yeah, that was I, – I tweeted that was the biggest takeaway for me rewatching that Saints game is just how much – it almost felt like they were playing into the Saints' hands for a lot of that game. Yeah. Like they, they saw the Saints were going to be down cornerbacks and they thought, all right, well, just – we're going to be able to get Jones and Galladay deep, so let's just keep running them deep. And then the Saints were dropping everyone and there'd be plays where there'd be 25-yard windows between the hash marks where there's just no one. And yeah. <laughs> and then they'd bring Swift in and he'd immediately get open and they'd – right. You know, run Hawkinson 
over the middle and he'd he'd get open and I think that you know even going back to the Bears game like the that Chicago game two or three times they motioned Hawkinson and and ran him across the middle of the field and the Bears just had no idea what to do with it um and so I think you're right I think there is a lot more space I mean I think you can use Galladay more in those spots too he doesn't have to just run downfield every single time like I think he's a guy that can be a little more catch and run than he has been and um carry on too like you don't have to just sit him there and pass protect like let him leak out and make Mm -hmm. some receptions so I think there is some opportunity um to kind of hit teams like that and and just be more multi-dimensional in the passing attack too um does the offensive line worry you at all I mean where are you with the O-line because obviously if you're running if you are looking for those deep shots that's part of it too and if Stafford's footwork's off like he there have been times where he's looked very, very rattled in the pocket for whatever reason. Right. Um, I don't know if that's mental or what, but yeah. is the O line holding up all right in your mind? And some and some of the times he's looked rattled, and 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 you and you look at it and you're like, why is he rattled? Because like the protection right. was yeah. <laughs> fine for the most part, and sometimes it hasn't been right. Like sometimes it's it's been messy, but there's been times where I, yeah, and I think that's part of the feel that he's still going through with you know, do I trust the five in front of me? I mean, I think it probably. You know, takes a minute to to totally. You see, maybe you see Jonah Jackson, a rookie, get beat early in the in a game early in the season, and if you're in the back of your head, okay, well, I need to be on alert for this. But you know, if you look at it, you know, it's been a weird thing. You know, the Lions' offensive line. If you look at it in pieces, like Taylor Decker might be playing the best football of his career right now. He's been great. He's been, or at least toward you know some of the best stretches he's had. He's been very good, very steady. Um, Jonah Jackson has been their best rookie. I did. I looked at PFF numbers. Jonah Jackson's playing better than Graham Glasgow, by the way, for all of you comparative Twitter <laughs> folks out there. Giving up less pressures. He's got a better run grade. Jonah Jackson's playing very good football for a rookie. Um, Ragnow's, Ragnow didn't play as well the last two weeks, maybe, as he did the first two weeks, but he was, like, outstanding the first two weeks, and he'll be fine. Um, you know, we know Joe Dahl looked better in the run game early before he got hurt. You know, there's something there. And I think Vitae... When we look at that first game against Arizona, when Patricia made it very clear that you know he was barely healthy enough to play and he struggled at times, I thought he was better against the Saints. Not perfect, but better. So it's been weird because it's been in pieces. They've had you know guys where you look at them and you say that guy's playing pretty well, but they haven't had the ability to put the five that they wanted to put when the season started on the field together at yet. It hasn't happened. So I, I'm still holding out sort of hope or whatever you want to call it, that that the offensive line before the year is over can be good. I don't know if it will be because I, I don't know if health is going to cooperate. But if Dahl can get back, if Vitae can continue to sort of get healthier, and I think Crosby's actually been solid at times too, even as a as a replacement, and even if you have to use him as a sixth like sort of swing guy, I think they have enough uh, you know within the offensive line group to be Oh, bet to be solid. I think I think I think there's enough there. I just it's been you know it's been a different combination. I feel like every week so far, or, or darn near anyway. I think that's playing a factor here. But I, I'm not going to throw in the towel on the offensive line. I don't think it's been as bad as people probably think it's been. Um, but it also hasn't been as good as it probably should be because you've shuffled a lot. Guys have been dinged up. I'd really be interested to see what this would look like if five of them, the five starters that they wanted to start the season, could get out there and play in reasonable health. I think it would be okay. I mean, I don't. I mean, like, what? I mean, what's your take on this? Because I mean, it's been really weird. It's been a fascinating kind of thing to watch. Because parts of it looks really encouraging, and then parts of it you're like, oh, that's not great, and and, and you and you really don't know where to square it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they've been fine. I, I think, like you said, I think Decker's been really good. I think you still see the glimpses of Ragnow being an elite center. I think mm-hmm. Jonah Jackson's been about as good as you could expect a rookie oh, yeah. to be stepping in. There have been some communication issues. You know, Hank Fraley, the O-line coach, talked about that uh, yesterday when we had some time with him. Just, you know, there's some physical mix-ups up front, but a lot of it has been – you know, just that they plugged Vitae in at guard when he hadn't really played guard at all. Mm-hmm. And Jackson's a rookie, you know, and Crosby had to start kind of on short yeah. notice. So some of it was just sort of figuring out all the communication of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they've been fine. I mean, I think you'd like to see them probably run the ball a little more effectively. But to me, some of that goes back to the the play calling as well. Um, you yeah. know, I, I think there are times where they really – kind of telegraph what's happening there when you're bringing in Cabinda and Adrian Peterson right. you know you're giving defenses a different setup than when you're bringing in you know uh, three four wide receivers and spreading the field and running out of that I mean it's it's totally different so um some of that does go on air, on Daryl Bevel but I mean I think uh, the O-line to me is not uh, a glaring issue at the moment and I think you're right I think that's been one of the things that's been hard to figure about Stafford because th- certainly there are times where he has had to get out of the pocket. He's made some good decisions getting out and running uh, on a few occasions. But there are also those moments where there's a there's a good pocket, and for some reason yeah. he's just bailing on it. And even you know one of the third down plays that I I, I think I tweeted out a screen grab of um, because nobody was open. I was trying to demonstrate the receivers weren't there, but. Stafford left the pocket before he needed to, and he ran his way into a sack. You know, he could have given it another yeah. second or two to develop, and I think that that's happened sometimes too. Where I don't know, I don't know what's causing that. You know, I don't, I really don't. It's weird. I, yeah. Um, I mean, I, is it rust? I mean, I feel like, but you know, we've been four weeks in here. I don't know. I to me, it, it, I do wonder. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it was trust. Maybe it was like, you know, do I do I trust? Or do I have to be on more alert than I need to be normally because you know we've got you know some spot guys in here and it's a little shaky. I, I don't know, but I think a lot of it too. I mean, I'm curious on your read with Stafford in general here as we wind down. But I mean, like his, I I don't know. Footwork is one thing, I guess, but it just it, it seems like he's been just very very frustrated. Uh, I I don't know how else to. To look at that when when you watch him play and and you see some of the mistakes that he has made, where the, where the second the ball left his hands, you look at him in live action and you see his head dip or him throw his hands up because he knows it's a mistake. Like I mean, it's just it feels like he's pushing so much, uh, you know, way too much, and it's it's a weird scenario, but it's also one that's kind of necessary because he has to be, for them to be passable as a team, like he has to be outstanding. He has to be like a pro bowler. Like that's, that's the, that's the long and short. Stafford has to be awesome for them to get anywhere close to where they think that they can maybe go. And that's a lot of pressure, but it's also like, well, that's what you're getting paid for. And you've been here 12 years. So, you know, what are we doing here? So it's, it's been interesting to watch sort of him go through this. I'm, I'm curious, where, where, where do you sit on Stafford in general here, you know, through four games? Yeah. I mean, I think there have been some troubling developments from him over these first four games I think you're right I don't think the um not that he's like he looks lost or like he's moping around the sideline or anything but I don't think that the reactions from him uh the body Mm -hmm. language has been necessarily where it's been in the past and I you know to me I kind of wonder how much of that goes back to some of these things we're talking about with the personnel and the play calls because I you know if they're out there with Jones and Galladay running deep routes into cover two coverage and Amendola is your slot guy and you've got Carryon Johnson blocking, and, and you know Hawkinson's, I get, and wherever Hawkinson is on the play, like who's your, 
who's the guy that Matthew Stafford is looking for when these plays are breaking down? Yeah. And I don't know that they've figured that out yet. You know, it used to be just throw it deep and let a guy go get it. And they probably still need to do some more of that. They did it every one, you know, he, he took one or two shots like that in the new Orleans game. Uh, but if you're sort of giving, you know, seeding that, uh, the defense is taking that out of the game plan, those shots up the sideline, you don't want to throw in a double coverage or whatever, then maybe that's, that goes back to you've got to get Hawkinson into some more manageable positions. You've got to get yeah. Swift out there. And somebody, you know, Amendola, I think, is kind of his default safety right. net right now. And uh, he's got like a 48% catch rate on balls mm. thrown his way. Like, it's just brutal. It's it, his career low by a huge margin. So... I think that that's part of it too. I think that's part of why he's been so frantic is that, you know, he's dropping back and you're running two guys to the boundary who are covered and Amendola is not open because he just isn't a guy who gets, I mean, he's had one or two where he breaks wide open, but other than yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. he's not beating guys to get open necessarily. Right. And, and so I think you've got to give some help there too, but yeah, it's, yeah, it has to be a trust thing uh, given the weird off season, uh, given you know all the stuff that when it when it maybe defaults down that he gets into those scenarios and says well I, I know that Amendola is going to run exactly this route exactly this way and I know he's going to be and that it feels like there's been a couple of those and some of the interceptions even have come because he's trying to force it because he says okay I don't like this I don't like this I know Amendola is going to at least give me this so I'm going to take it oops and the ball's picked right or or it's you know or it's deflect you know whatever and that's where we come back to that thing we talked about earlier where it's if you can get the quick game going a little bit more with some with some different athletes on the field, and not that Amendola is not a good athlete and not a good football player because he's you know he's a terrific route runner we all know this but you know I think other teams know too that when in doubt he's looking at Amendola and that's you know that's what they're taking away from him so there has to be more diversity in the pass game I feel like you know every yard they're gaining is incredibly it feels like it's taking an incredible amount of effort <laughs> for every yard that they get and and that's they can make life easier on themselves, I think, offensively. And I think Daryl Bevel talked a little bit about that yesterday, a little bit. Not not a lot, but, I mean, he sort of hinted at it a few times. You know, with with how he's calling the game, even, he can make life easier uh, on themselves. With, 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 with what personnel they have in, in certain situations, they can get easier yards than just having to rely on, okay, you know, second and eight. Third and seven. Now we got to take a shot, and now it's got to work. And Galladay's got to beat two people, you know. And, and that's that's what it feels like it's defaulting at when when things are kind of falling into a rut. And we and that's the frustrating part because we know this offense has enough in the bag to, you know, make life easier on itself and get better. We've seen it in every game. They've had drives in every game so far this year, I, I, even Green Bay, where they've gone out there and just done whatever they've wanted offensive. And people have gotten hooked on the the script stuff, and and that's not it. It's it's. It's falling out of, you know, as the game goes on and it's trying to manage it and it's trying to bleed the clock and it's trying to keep possessions low and keep the defense off the field. All that is understandable, but at some point you have to be a little more aggressive. And I think that that's probably where uh, this probably needs to go. All right. So Jacksonville this week, this feels pretty important for this regime to get away this week and for this team, uh, for any hope this season. And, you know, you kind of look at, this Jacksonville matchup and the Jaguars, I think, are dead last in the NFL in yards per play allowed. They're dead last in uh, net yards per pass attempt. Like this is not. This is one no. of those games where you kind of circle 
and say, all right, just go, let's just go hang 40 on them yes. <laughs> and we'll yes. deal with whatever happens defensively. Um, so is, are the Lions capable of doing that? I guess that's sort of what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, but are they yeah, capable that's, that, of just going pedal to the metal here? That's the interesting thing. It's like, what is it going to look like? Is it When you come out offensively, is it going to be, you know, are you going to go into this game again and try to shorten it and bleed the clock down and try to control the game with your offensive line? Or are you going to let Matthew Stafford, you know, have athletes on the field and make it difficult on a defense? Like, are you going to make it, are you going to make them you know, be in conflict defensively? Or are you going to sit there and try to impose your will and whatever they give you, it doesn't matter. We're going to try to shove this thing down where we want it to go. That's what they've been doing the first four weeks, the latter. It needs to be the former. It needs to be more. And we saw stretches of it in the Arizona game. Agnew, get him more involved. Swift has to be in the game more. Amendola and Jesse James probably need to be in the game less if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves right now. And that's sort of where this needs to go. At least you need to give yourself a shot and see what your quick game can do. Because like you said, Chris, I mean... The, the teams you're coming up against here, this offense has enough talent to score points. We've seen that in, in every game they played this season. Sometimes it's gotten off the rails because they've tried to they've tried to play the game, you know, a way that they're really not capable of playing it. And I think at this point, you've got to embrace what you are. And even if what you are isn't what you want to be or thought you were going to be, who cares? This is what you are. You are a team that has a quarterback who is capable of putting up points. You have a bunch of weapons. A lot of guys who can get open on their own. You've got you've got a deep threat. You've got a guy who can come out of the backfield and catch passes. You've got Adrian Peterson who can still give you a lot. An offensive line that we talked about who, you know, if you give them enough time to sort of settle and grow here, they can give you stuff. The offense is good enough to score points and keep them in football games. They need to play with faster pace and they need, they need to embrace shootouts. I, I don't know how else to say it. They need uh, Patricia's probably going to hate it. He's probably going to hate every second of it. But do you want to keep your job or do you want to go home? And like that's sort of where this is at. You have to stop trying to be something that you're not and be a little more honest with yourself about what you are. And I think if they do that, maybe this looks better in six weeks than it does right now. Maybe not. But to me, I don't know any other chance. I don't know any what else they're supposed to do. If you keep doing things the way that you've been doing it, you're, it's this is going to be over very quickly. And I think we all know that. We're not telling anybody anything they don't already know. But to me, that's been the whole thing for, for like a year and a half, two years here. Stop trying to do something that you're not capable of doing that you think that you are or maybe want to be and start doing what you have on your, you know, start playing to your strengths that you have on the team because uh, we just don't see enough of that, I feel like. And that's that's the most frustrating thing for everyone who talks about Matt Patricia that everyone can agree on. They just try to play, a, they try to play the game a way that they're not capable of playing when they are capable of playing a different way and we all know it, and it's 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 difficult to sort of see why that continues to happen. But if that's not going to happen now, then I don't know when it would. And uh, you know, this is the this is it. Sort of feels like the, the burn the boats, you know, as old uh, John Beeline used to say, right? There's no there's no coming back. There's no way to. There's no one, you know, on the other side of this thing. It's got to be this or nothing, and and that's uh, that that's what it feels like. And the, yeah, as. I don't know, as like uninteresting as this matchup is from an NFL perspective, <laughs> like I think it is interesting for the Lions because this is a Jacksonville team that I said their defense is bad, but mm-hmm. they want to run the ball. They have you know Gardner Minshew's, uh, I, he's shown some upside, but he's a guy who isn't taking a ton of chances. You know he's protecting right. the football, throwing it kind of you know living with what the defense gives him. He's got some weapons now who can catch and run. Uh, Lavisca Chenault was just like yeah ridiculous in college and he's been pretty good as a rookie and you know James Robinson out of the backfield has been good for them so this is a team that 
they want to do a lot of the same things that the Lions are going to want to do, which is just let's run the, let's establish the run, let's let's eat the clock by uh, you know taking care of the football, and we'll just try and win the game with time of possession, basically. And right. so, um, you know, we should get a pretty good feel by within the first like quarter and a half if the Lions are letting them do that. If the Lions are letting this game right. just sort of bleed out, and it's seven to three, and the Jaguars they can't get the yep. Jaguars off the field, that's a pretty bad sign that they haven't made any progress. So I, I think you're right. I think this is we got to see it. We got to see them just kind of go out there and take these games against bad teams. Uh, you know, Jacksonville can't stop anyone. Atlanta can't stop anyone. Right. Uh, you know, you've got to go just do what you could do offensively and hope something clicks every so often defensively. Yeah, I mean, and then you, you like we said, and then you're going to get, if, you, if you're putting pressure on an opposing team by going out there and letting it rip, you, you might surprise yourself and accidentally force a team to punt like twice. You know what I mean? Because they're trying to do something that they're not capable right. of. That's that's such a big part of this. Like it just feels like they're leaving, they're making, they continue to make life miserable for themselves uh, by trying to play a certain way when they're just not, when they have an alternative that appears to be better. And and I I don't maybe it's not, but like if you, if you're gonna go down here, at least go down swinging and figure it out, right? I mean, there, there's got to be a way around this. Good football coaches and Patricia should tell you this above all else. Belichick over the years has morphed and changed and twisted and done things differently and always done whatever if it's not working i do something else like that's the sign of a coach like if it's not working you got to go a different way like and he has not done that it's been the same thing over and over and over like it's time to see if there's something else here and if there's not then there's not and we have our answer and this all gets very simple but you know if there is something else there we have to see it and you have to give yourself an opportunity to go there and say hey go into the offensive room and say hey Stafford and the rest of you, I need your help. I need we need to cut it loose and go get forty points here because I need your help. Like we need we need something and, and I think that that's you know and it's not it's it's not just that right. We need you to execute on every single play, but it's we need to play faster. We need to get more athletes on the field, take more chances, and see what happens because this isn't working. This this bleeding thing, it's not it's not going to get it done. And um, you know you got to see what else is there. Yeah, and I'll just close close for me on this because I think that this is what. Everyone keeps asking about the script and why don't why don't you keep yeah. on the script longer and why are you so <laughs> make much the whole work? game out of the two minute drill, right? Right? <laughs> right, right. And I don't I don't think that like you said I don't think that that's it. I think it's yeah. that they are sh- downshifting this into all right. We've got this under control now, and yep. so the that's where they want to be. They want to be in a spot where they're they have the game at the tempo they want it, and I think that they're transitioning into that mode too early i don't think it's that the script's running out i think they came out in green bay had a couple really good drives and they're like all right now we can manage this thing and same thing in chicago we got this under control we can manage this the rest of the way home let's just hold on it'll we'll we'll get to the end (laughs) and i think that that there it's just it's not the script it's just the overall mentality like we've been talking about it's just don't stop worrying so much about well we need 33 minutes of time of possession and we need to run the ball right. x amount of time just go use the guys you have right just turn it loose one game let's just see what this let's looks just see. like yeah right. <laughs> maybe it's horrible maybe you get blown out but right. who knows like what else I, I are think you people waiting would for be like yeah 
I mean, what do we think? Do, would fans would be like, oh well, they'd be like, well, shit, at least you tried. <laughs> like, at least you tried something different. If it didn't work, I feel like they'd be less inclined to be furious. Maybe right. I'm wrong. Maybe no, I'm wrong. I I don't know that there's any loss that would leave people not well, yeah, feeling furious at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's part of the frustration is that we people have seen it and you just don't understand why it can't happen more often. So um, I don't know. I, what do you think? Did they win this week? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I They should. I mean, I think that they're like a touchdown favorite or six and a half. I think I saw that. Jacksonville's not good. But like you said, I mean, I in the back of my mind, like I'm still sitting here as we're talking, like thinking like, like when you said, if it's seven to three in the middle of the second quarter and like Jacksonville is going down for a field goal, you're like, well, this isn't going to end the way they want it to end. I mean, like, no, I mean, you're right. It has to be if they're aggressive. I think they win the game. If they if they play the way they sort of played the first two and a half quarters against the Bears, where they continued to stay aggressive, even if, if things weren't perfect, they continued to stay aggressive, uh, then I think they'll be fine. I think they're good enough offensively to beat bad teams if they're staying aggressive. If they're making sure that they're giving themselves opportunity to play quick when when a team isn't, isn't expecting you to do that. Or if you're getting athletes in situations that they're not looking for or you're making them like we saw the great example with Agnew in the in the Cardinals game he comes in at that in that two minute drive to end the half they get they establish him as a pass catcher out of the backfield uh he gets a catch underneath then he motions out of the backfield and it creates all kinds of space and a Galladay scores a touchdown like because only because he's on the field and he's creating space by standing there like there's a lot of options that they have on this roster that can do that if they allow them to do it but it's going to have to mean that the fullback has to be done, and some of the double tight stuff has to be done as well. And like yeah. that's the thing where you say that, and you're like, are they going to swallow their pride and get there? Look, I covered Michigan, as we know, for a long, long time as a beat writer every single day. And I watched Brady Hoke and Jim Harbaugh for the first couple of years of his tenure do the exact same thing. They made life incredibly difficult on themselves when a lot of times it didn't have to be. And as we've seen college offenses sort of morph over the years into saying there's all these free yards, there's all this easy stuff that we have, why don't we take it? It's hard to watch an NFL team go through the same exact thing and say, why are you making it so much more difficult than it needs to be? There's ways that you can make this easier on yourself. It's not going to look pretty, but who gives a shit at this point? Just go out there and figure out, if you have to win the game 45-40 to against Jacksonville, who cares? If that's embarrassing to you, then whatever. I don't care. Like you, you won the <laughs> right. game, yeah. and that's all it needs to be at this point, and that's what it should, that's where it should go. All right. Well, I I think they're going to win this week, and that's I if, think if, so. they, if yeah. they lose, this will be the last time I pick them probably this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think they like I said. I think they have to have this one for a lot of reasons. So we'll see what it looks like coming out of the bye. We'll see. They talked. They have talked about what a productive bye week they had, how much they learned, how much they grew. So. I guess we'll find out on Sunday when yep. they go down to Jacksonville uh, in front of however many fans Jacksonville's allowing yeah, fans. these How days, right? 15,000, yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Uh, and we'll be back next week to break it all down, to look ahead to uh, another <laughs> another epic whatever, showdown against the whatever's Falcons. Whatever's on the other side of the wall, um, we'll deal with that yeah, We'll see how things go. Uh, if anything should anything big should happen, we might sneak a you know sneak yeah, an emergency podcast episode in for you. But until then, uh, again, make sure you go find us one of these years on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Uh, let us know if, if we're missing somewhere that you usually listen to podcasts, and we'll we'll try to fix that. So, thanks to everyone for listening. Happy to have Nick back, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.